Off the ball. If it was me, you'd absolutely love to be 17 up as opposed to being 17 points down. There's no upside to being 17 nil down at that stage, you know? It's a shocking start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Brian O'Driscoll on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. All right, delighted to have Brian O'Driscoll in studio. How are you? Great, Nathan. And you? I'm all right. Uh, you're here nine years with us, and finally you get the opportunity you've been waiting for, an opportunity <laughs> to celebrate some silverware for Munster. Finally, finally this microphone colour is working <laughs> and comes to its own. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long wait from, from a Munster perspective. Um, and probably, if the truth be told, a year a year or two earlier than maybe they really thought it might have happened. This is an unbelievable coaching achievement, considering the language that every pundit has used about this group of Munster players this season. Like when you go back to their start and losing five of the first seven games, even mid-season and they're conceding huge scorelines, even the defeat to Glasgow, which is what, about six weeks ago? Mm. Followed up by the exit in the Champions Cup. There was a sense of, yeah, there's progression been made, but it's slow enough. Do they really have the talent? And here we are. Like The joy of the Munster supporters has been just brilliant to see this week. But actually, now we look at this group, these players, it feels in a, such a different light. There was, like, I've, I've, I was down at UCC um, a few weeks ago before the, uh, before the semi-final. And um, like the talk down there was, you know, just they'd just gotten over the thought of... God, Hope we make sure we get Europe. Mm. You know that was where they were at. Um, you know, obviously the Glasgow defeat was a, was a horror show. Then losing to Sharks in Europe, and and then with the knowledge they still had to go and play their final two games in in the URC down uh, against Sharks and Storm. Was it Stormers as mm. well, or was it? I can't remember who the who the other team was. But two South African opposition, um, and and. The turnaround from that, from that defeat to the Sharks to where we are now, and I'd say it, it really it does show how important good coaching is, um, because a lot of us thought, nah, that they're, they're they're years away from you know from competing properly for you know domestic or or European honours, and to do it in season one with Prendergast and and with Roundtree and Dennis Leamy and the job that they have subsequently done turning five defeats in on the bounce in a row or five and six was it mm. it's an amazing achievement considering the style that they're playing now as well comparatively to what we saw at the start of the year they're unrecognisable and it just shows that if you get a good pol- a good system a, a clear idea as to what way you want to, to train or and play drilled drilled and drilled again is going to make you considerably better then you have to layer other things on top the bit of dog, um, you know, attitude, hard work, all of the other components, and then you know the skill level on top of all of that, and then you've got a chance to compete. And boy, did they compete the last few weeks, and no more so than in the final. You know, when it was at times it wasn't going for them, throw an intercept, um, few refereeing decisions. I would say went against them as well. They got one or two too, but I think some bigger ones went against them, and so for. If I'm honest, I think they should have won the game by more. Yeah, because it reads a 1914 win like an old school monster grinding it out victory. But you've watched the game back a couple of times. When you actually analyse it, is your sense that there was a, a bit of a gulf between the sides? Yeah, I, I think um, I think they had all the answers, a huge amount of the answers to the Stormers game. Like the two tries that the Stormers got, um, one was an intercept mm-hmm. and the second one was a driving line out. And it came from a shocking refereeing decision where Fekato was over the ball and they penalised Crowley for not rolling away. It was one of the quickest rollaways I've ever seen. Like, he didn't stop anyone. He didn't impede anyone's angle in to clear the rook. And he's fabricated something. So, if you, you know, in, in truth, sh- you know, they shouldn't. OK, you can't legislate for, for intercepts and someone reading a, a pass like that. Um, and it was it was kind of a, it was a, it was that late forward pass as well wasn't it where it was probably a bad offload because Frisch was kind of caught in no man's land um, but they had ju- they also had thought that they had penalty advantage yeah. and it had just been called uh, called over so a bit of a tough break so for me they, they also created other chances that they probably should have put away there was another one for where Frisch got tackled um, 
by the the big number seven um, when he was going down on the ball and absolutely hit on the ground as he was about to gather it. For me, that's a penalty, possibly a yellow card on a different angle with a different TMO. So, but all that again at, is you look at all you're that going into the lines. Then you're away from home. You're down in like, South Africa. It, Those and decisions it, don't go your way. It's it's re- it's really testament to their to the the mental toughness that they showed. It was a disappointing. Um, game plan I thought from Stormers the pitch was in poor condition you got to play that a bit Everyone but, knew that was but I be think the case. rugby played or uh, Munster played all the rugby mm. I really do like they they created most chances they stressed the defence most it wasn't perfect it really wasn't and they you know having another pre-season under their belt this coming year getting their timings of run and understanding of when to pull the pass and when to take it to the line all of that stuff as we've seen with this Leinster team for five or six years drilled within an inch of their lives Munster are in their infancy of that but what a huge progression in year one and to get a trophy at the end of the season to reward your development is is a massive shot in the arm to we're going the right way and okay how can we layer more things on top of that We'll talk more about what it means for Munster and where they go from here but over the last few years when you talk to those senior Munster players whether it's Murray or Mahoney Earls like they've always told the party line as you would expect from a current player about the turnover of coaches the struggles with results they've you know never thrown a coach under the bus but it is insanity when you look at the improvement over the last few months that Munster wanted to keep Johan van Graan the reason this came about isn't because <laughs> Munster decided you know what we need to start all over again it was because Johan van Graan was the one who decided to get enough yeah and I, d- I don't necessarily think that Graham Rowntree was first choice mm. you know I think there was definitely others interviewed and um, and and so they found themselves in that position. And I think it was a, it's obviously, you could see the emotion in Graham Rowntree at the end of the game, just head and hands, I think. Because, you know, particularly the start of that season, he was under so much pressure. Immediately the knives were out where, uh, is he up to this? Does he, does he have the capabilities of being a head man? You know, he's been a forwards coach. He's been, you know, the muscle in teams in the past mm. and, and that, you know, building that. Hard also, edge. if he wanted this radical change in style of play, why didn't he raise his hand during the Van Graan era? Mm, yeah, which is a difficult mm. thing to do as an assistant coach. Don't get me wrong on that, but but you know he's put together you know a, a coaching ticket that the players believe in that has obviously taken really good IP back from France with Prendergast, um, Leamy, you know Fox in the in the hen house um, in Leinster find, taking all the good stuff from Stuart Lancaster and, and Leo Cullen and what Leinster had built over a number of years and bringing that back and, and layering on top of his, his, his knowledge that he had already and so it, it's also you have to remember this is the start of it mm-hmm. so I think that's what excites the Munster fans so much and is good for Irish rugby in general to have we need you know, multiple provinces to be keating to be competing for um for the URC and and back in 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 Europe you know it's been too long for Munster to be out of um kind of the reckoning the real reckoning when it came to quarterfinal semi-finals they limped into one or two and then got got badly beaten so I'm not saying that this guarantees that they're going to be back in, in, you know, in the ascendancy again in that regard, but it feels as though there's really great foundations that have been built. It, and they had to go through some really tough times to build them at the start of the season. And I remember talking to Shane Daly about his role now compared to where it was and how much extra he was expected to create how much more time he was having on the ball and almost it felt like the muscle memory of that of been a back three player of been a creative player had probably been lost mm. for him over the last couple of years and then you get through those first seven games where you lose five of them that actually that Roundtree had the confidence and to sort of ignore the outside noise to actually stick with this and it did feel probably in those last 20 minutes in particular that all of those hard yards all of those difficult days they had at the start of the season like they learned so much from that yeah, they. I think they did, and um, like it, you rarely see a, a, a coach coming out of the blocks, you know, perfectly mm. in in the first three, four, five games. It's, it hardly ever happened. It was a Joe know? Schmidt-esque start. Like it was. I remember. Did we lose the first mm. three under Joe? Yeah. And there was question marks, and Easton as he was playing ten. It was like this guy's not a ten, and. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, assistant coach, maybe he is an assistant coach. You know, we hadn't heard of him. You need the tried and test. You need the Sam Allardyce's out there to come in and shore things up. So, um, yeah, I think, I think all you have to do, you know, in your philosophy is, is, is have a plan. 
and work hard and stick to that plan provided you feel it is the correct plan. Mm. You know, don't deviate and don't doubt yourself if you think it's the right thing. And they did. And they had lots of, there was lots of speed bumps, you know, throughout the year, particularly that Glasgow game where they, God, they, they concede at 30 odd points mm. um, in, the first home, ha- yeah. in the first half, you know. So to come back, and that's not that long ago, it was a couple of months ago. So to come back and have the ability to park that and, put it down and, and learn from it but put it down to being a bad day and and be able to build on on the good stuff that they built over the course of the year is um, yeah is a credit to them and I think it does show um, yeah mental fortitude that maybe we thought has been lacking a little bit in you know there's no sh- shortage of desire but just multiple losses and, and, and uncertainty around where you're going to be and in a given season creates doubt in the best players and in the most mentally tough players and when you don't have a core group carrying through a successful period into a team there's nothing there's, you know it's hard to for anyone to stand up and go well I know you know what it's like Keith Earls is one of the few guys that yeah. had ever won a URC so you know when you've got when you're in the minority it's very difficult for you to be a very loud voice of bringing everyone along with you and and so they've had to build it themselves and um and now the the big question is what what can they what can they develop on top of that they're going to lose a core group of those senior players over the course of the next year or two but you know can they bring in other players underneath them to to compete on on a consistent basis year in year out That mental fortitude that you talk about is obviously a collective thing that gets them through the tough periods in the second half, but individually as well. Like Jack Crowley's performance. So as you say, right at the first five minutes down in South Africa, you give away such a cheap try. And then his kick to the corner mm. within two minutes of that. Mm. Like it was such, it felt like such an important moment where this game can get away from you quite quickly. They build a bit of confidence yeah. that at every moment during that game that they needed him to step up. Like this felt individually for him like a day that we might be talking about for many years to come. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think yeah, that was a huge, huge moment to get them immediately back into. You kick that one dead. It's a negative on top of a negative, and it it you know it builds the opposition up. Whereas the flip side, you know, a lot of tens would kick to the twenty-two. Okay, certainty. Let's try and build some phases to kick it to five, six metres out from the halfway line on not the most incredible of angles was a really amazing kick, and then. See, they they got a penalty and then went to the to the line out again. They're backing themselves rather than kicking mm. their three pointers. They're going back, the, you know, a bit like Irish teams in general are now of going to the corner and backing their their driving mall to get over. Um, you know, stats will show that you know it's over the course of a season you you will benefit more. Most good mauling teams will benefit more from going to the corner. And it's not just Irish teams. A lot of sides now realise you got to score tries to win games. Mm. But still, but, but Crowley's away yeah, from home ability in the final. to be able to go and and do that and 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 have the bravery and the and then the technique to kick it you know perfectly down the line, but it was the other parts of his game as well. I think he's you know he's very very clear about squaring up around the corner. Something that I've a point that I've laboured for a long time. Something that we know the Irish captain does extremely well, and we have haven't been sure about everybody else that's come in behind that but for the first time that really feels as though okay we've got okay. someone that's very clear and do you know what it, he does it he doesn't do it very fast but it doesn't matter and and in fact I watch, I've watched a good bit of Owen Farrell over the last while it's quite similar where sometimes it's it's it almost looks a little bit laboured but because it's so late square up as a defender you can't help but respect that and because both of those players have an ability to accelerate through a gap as yeah. well. And Marcus Smith does it in a different way where but he also, you know, very late square and it's almost that jerking moment m- motion catches the eye of the defender going, "Oh god, it's in here. This is this is where I need to be. This is my zone." And it just sticks them down for a second and then has an ability to to pick or pull the pass. So I think that part of his game has definitely come on leaps and bounds over the course of, of the year. And he does it better than Healy and I think he does it better than Ross Byrne now from from what I've seen of, of late. So there's the big question now. What, mm. What's the elevation of Jack Crowley's um, international career on the back of this performance and Andy Farrell watching this and Ross Byrne watching this um, because it did feel as though it was 
a big moment in time for him that he needed to step up to, to the plate and he did everything you hear about Crowley is that he's an obsessive around the game you almost wouldn't be surprised to if it came out that you know he had studied Sexton in that way he had studied Farrell in that way and sort of knew that this is what he needed to bring into his game yeah, listen, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't aware that he was that big a student of it. But I think by the by the development of his game, like he, he, as a young guy in camp, whether you're in the 23 or not, you're soaking, you're a sponge, you're taking in everything you possibly can about different players' levels of prepar- preparation, um, the, the small little nuances around um, how they behave, what they do to get the extra one or two percenters out of themselves. And those aspects are the making and breaking of opportunities as an outside half, trying to play that type of game plan. So it doesn't surprise me that he would watch an awful lot of tape and understand what it is that tends to get defenders to sit down a little bit more and that ability to, to... break against the grain you can drift across a little bit but if you square up in a, in a dramatic way and still are able to pull the pass you're going to have players sit down and respect that and if they don't then you gotta you got to back yourself and take the gap as well so um, there was just lots of times that it felt as though you know he didn't have to be running a million miles an hour and, and it's a difficult thing to do to pull a pass when you're going very hard mm. this is the easier way to build your repertoire in that regard is to go across a little bit jam back in square up and then still pick the pass because that's the most important part the pass aspect of making sure it's on the money Um, so if he can then develop it where he can be accelerating going at a bit more speed and everyone gets their timing off from thereafter well it's all the better it's going to mean that more defenders are stuck on the inside and then it's about picking the right pass Uh, I'm glad we can get into a uh, Crowley v Byrne debate for the next three four months yeah, well, it, like it's 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 natural, right? Isn't it? Um, and and you know, if if Munster had lost in to to Leinster in the semi final and our, and and you know Leinster had managed to get it done against La Rochelle, we'd be having a very different conversation. But this is the conversation because of of the rules, big results moments that have happened, up. and that's ultimately what it's about. It's big moments um, because. I, I think anyone that has played at a high level, we know that it, you know when the going's good, it's easy to shine. It's actually in adversity where you really get to understand the true character of individuals, of who wants to be a leader, who wants to take the chance, who wants to put themselves at risk. He did it in the Leinster game. He got into the pocket and he kicked the drop goal. Um, and 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 he turned up for big moments in in this um, final as well in a very difficult place to go and play. Not many teams win in Cape Town against the current holders. Um, it packed stadium, um, but possibly with that video of them ringing in their ears around <laughs> celebrating <laughs> celebrating that they're having a home final didn't work out right for them. But you know. Um, what Crowley was doing there then was was that one of the main reasons that both Fekatoa and Frisch both seem to have one of their best jerseys in a Munster, one of their best performances in a Munster jersey. Yeah, I, th- I think that that definitely helped. I, I I've really grown to quite like Frisch. I, I get I I understand his game. He's he understands space quite a lot, and even though he pushes the pass a bit too much and sometimes throws on contact a couple of times, and he did for the offload, he did it another time and it was a forward pass. I, I, don't, I don't mind that that much because he's he's a little bit of a risk taker, but but the outcome to a lot of that stuff when you you know when you get good at it and and you understand the balance of when to throw the pass and that will create an awful lot of chances for those outside. He carries and straightens and holds possession to check defenders and throws the pass. He understands the timing of it, not overplaying his hand. As much as I'm contradicting myself, sometimes he throws on contact. Mm. A lot of the time he gets it right, where he'll run to a defender that's trying to defend you know, laterally to the touchline and he'll run to the inside shoulder and he'll commit them and as soon as he hurt, sees the shoulders turn in, he gives the pass. So there's, I think there's a lot to like about him um, and he stepped in, you know, the forgotten man is Chris Farrell, obviously has been um, set aside for the, for the time being until his case is heard and so I think he's come in and done a, a pretty good job over the course of the season not without its imperfections but I, I think he's really grown into it and I, I quite like his style about wh- why he's trying why he's doing what he's doing in, mm. in the creation of space for those outside him it, One of the difficulties for Munster is as you say well a lot of these players are going to be away with Ireland and there's such a long gap now till they get back to playing competitive games 
they're also losing Ben Healy Fekitoa is going to go that there's a little mini rebuild that even needs to happen after this mm. yeah and um, and they are going to get a very different well depending on what comes of the World Cup I suppose with guys like Peter O'Mahony whether Earls goes on it or not um, you know Conor Murray some of their senior leaders Tyke Byrne another one they're going to get guys that will have had a lot of rugby under their belt hopefully already by the time we get to the end of, of October and the, and the season really begins in earnest in, in, from, a, from a club point of view. So they're going to have to go and, and kind of develop and bring some other leaders through. I think depending on what happens with Coombs, whether he goes to the World Cup or not, players like him are really now important to decide that they're the main men, they're the linchpins and the, and the driving force of all the good that happens with this Munster setup and I think finally, yeah, you're, you're seeing the emergence of some of those players, but now emergence that have turned up on, and delivered on a big occasion. Um, and that, I can't tell you how important that is for the generations coming through to know that some of these players have won a URC, that they've gone and done it the hard way. And so there's a respect and credibility that comes with that and an authority that comes with that as well to that demand really you. high standards. And this is where we're at. We don't dip below this bar now. Uh, what did you see in the second half then I've, I've seen a lot of the analysis focus on the fitness levels that maybe there were again there were so many question marks about at the start of the season their enthusiasm to get into the breakdown quickly to get up quickly to go again mm. like there's an attitude element to that but there's a fitness element to that uh, tactically as to how they dealt with what was, we were expecting I guess was going to be a big stormers fight back in the second half I, I think they held possession really well I think that's a lot of that comes down to skill level and concentration but concentration because you're fit mm. it's very hard to to, you know, you make mistakes when you're exhausted and you're fatigued. So to, to be able to stay in the point for much longer, be able to play into double double digit you know, phases is all important to get about getting mismatches and creating chances and then having an ability when you do go to the collision zone to still have the brutality to, to you know, win rook ball and create another opportunity for you to launch again. I think as well, even the small little stuff that maybe had been missing from Munster over the course of the last number of years of, you know, little bit of jersey holding, little trip or a nudge here and there. There was a really important one from Coombs in the build up to the Hodna try where uh, one of the South African players was trying to read through the line from a, a witchly pass behind Coombs. He was going to read through onto Ben Healy and he just stuck his leg out and tripped him up. And it was it was sly enough to, for Dark him to get arts. away with it. Dark arts, yeah. Sly, sly enough for him to get away with it. You know, maybe the TMO should have picked it up. The, the player remonstrated, but camera was gone and off we go again. So those things... I haven't heard anyone from Munster mention this, you, Brian. You, you, need, you need that in, you know, in giving yourself a chance sometimes mm. of creating an opportunity when you think you're going to get a player's going to get smothered someone's feeding through the line that they lose that multi-phase of play they, they aren't going to get too many others so sometimes you need those breaks to go for you and it was sly enough to be able to get with it so you know where the practice is going in or whether he just got his timing right but those small things actually um, you might think they're insignificant or they might appear to be silly but you need yeah. those breaks to go for you to win trophies a lot of the time well, there was the breaks and then there was just the work ethic of that as well yeah. of the block down from Coombs the, and, and the like I said in the there. first I think as well it's, it's important to, to kind of balance that it, you know it shouldn't have I don't think it should have come down to them needing to chase a try with or even a penalty mm. with um, with five six minutes to go they, they they had done enough they played enough rugby to actually have created enough chances for them to put you know stormers away or for them to be chasing uh, Munster but um, but an ability to be able to conjure and create something when um you know, when the Stormers were desperate, when they realised they were in total defensive mode to still have the wherewithal to pick the right pass and get it to the extremity. And then and then a good, a good score from Hodnett was was very impressive. And then they saw it out, even even Crowley's um, yellow card mm -hmm. with the last few minutes. Cynical people will say, of course it is, knows what he's doing. But you got to you got to do some dirty trick sometimes to, to win if you know lose the and game, when are we hammering him for his ill discipline probably but they're the balances we're you know we're ham you know we 
you Leinster got a bad time of where they lost by a point to this La Rochelle team that's come back from the dead you want to talk but, about that again but <laughs> but if they don't if they, they score at yeah. the end we don't have that conversation that's just the way the game goes we and that's why it's so important to not get overly excited about you know this monster performance it's yes take it for what it is but then you know in another sense we could have been talking about a disappointing mm. a valiant effort down in Cape Town but you know nothing came of it so our conversation are always swayed on, yeah. on on a result on a refereeing decision and that's never going to change but there's so many parts of you know you look at Conor Murray's box kicking was just outstanding and for how many how many years of our Irish supporters just frustrate, frustrated the hell out of them and you're going actually this is like what was it <laughs> six times they managed to get the ball back it's but yes you know it was like we alright we might have gotten a bit more you know they got the ball back a little bit more but what about holding possession why aren't we backing ourselves there's, all, there's always a counter argument to everything yeah. when you're on the wrong side of, resu- of a result so I think you know that's why deflation and elation should never be you know too extreme because in marginal games in games where you're badly beaten you can you have to look and, and dissect them and, and go okay this that really went wrong but in a game where you lose by a score or win by a score you're never um, it's it's never as cut and dry as, as you know the scoreline you know as it's never as cut and dry in victory or defeat uh, in those regards I need to choose my language carefully in comparing URC victories but it did feel when Leinster were so dominant for so long that everyone just took the URC for granted and it was something the Irish provinces could turn up with whatever team they wanted and would win it this URC victory the way Munster have gone about it of of beating Leinster at the Aviva of going down to South Africa against you know, South African sides who it feels are taking this really seriously and have added a absolute breath of fresh air and an intensity that the tournament had been lacking. Like Jerry Thorny said, it felt, you know, it felt almost like a, mm. a European Cup win. Mm. This with what they had to go through to get it. Does this feel like more than a URC? As was it Andrew Porter said, they don't put the stars on your jersey for a, a URC win. <laughs> that was before the final. <laughs> wasn't yeah. Any uh, stars on any jerseys right now? Um, I. Like the one the, thing I will is, is say about the URC, I think it's, I think it's probably a good thing for the competition that Leinster haven't been able to get to finals with uh, semi-second string. Mm. I think that is good. Like you, a team shouldn't go unbeaten in a in a in a rugby league. Yeah. In, in a, so they've been going down to South uh, Africa with their third string, getting hammered. You know, not that, the worst thing. That, yeah, that that shouldn't happen in a league from a competitiveness point of view. When you have to go to difficult grounds, or you know, be it South Africa or be it you know, over to Wales or to Scotland, they they should be difficult place to go and play. You look at the top fourteen. You look at the Premiership. You know, away victory is really to be reckoned with. Whereas is an expectation a lot of the time still Leinster going away during the regular season but but certainly semi-finals and finals no team should be able to put out uh, a second string team and, and get themselves into a final and I think you know if I take my Leinster hat off I think it's good for the competition that they didn't get through on the basis that they played a second string team um, and you know and, and you know Munster found a way they found a way in, in, in consecutive games you know when you're behind Leinster should have been able to put them away in the semi-final and they and they didn't and they created something from 90 metres out created one more chance for themselves a lot to be se- said for that um, so I think yes I hope the, the URC continues to build and develop but I think when you do see that many players playing in it from some of the provincial teams, I think it will there will always be a little bit of a credibility issue with it, um, because fans want to see their best team put out. You see it in football the whole time. It's rare enough that you see that level of turnover, unless it's a Premiership game to an FA Cup game. Mm. That just doesn't happen. You have to, and it doesn't happen in the Premiership in England. They're still consistently they work from a a squad of kind of. 35 predominantly maybe some will come in and out but but not 60 odd players and I so I, I think you will always struggle to have a bit of a credibility when you have that many players playing in a league Do you think what's happened over the last couple of weeks will change the way Leo Cullen and Leinster look at the URC for next season and the amount of rotation that they go through week in week out yeah, It's a really interesting point because I, I, there's no doubt that the most the, the most intense game since that final was the final last year mm. 
and the most physical game and and I suppose you're, the, the, the best sides to get that against are down in South Africa he had in the last two years they haven't they've sent a second string yeah. outfit down there I understand because it's preparation for something else but maybe that's not the tack they're we're talking about all of this and they lost, they've lost by three points in two games. So I was like, more thinking in... Can, it, I, can it, I make... It, one point on. I will say is I've, I'm lucky to say that I have three European titles. We won by three points against Leicester with, uh, a, with a penalty with three or four minutes to go. The second one, we were 16 points down. We could have been beaten. The third one, we shouldn't have been in the final because Doris made a brilliant tackle on Wesley Fofana. So I have three. I could have none. And that's the reality. So I'm able to talk from a position of strength, but yet it could have been totally different on a break of a ball and another on one decision. And so it feels so cut and dry that we have to talk about things one way or the other because of the results. And it shouldn't necessarily be that way. It should be that you're able, there's, there, are, there should be multiple ways to do it. But because Leinster have lost two on the bounce in the same manner maybe they are being forced into a rethink about finding some of those tougher games and preparing themselves for them so the muscle memory they don't have to rely on it from a year previously yeah. rather than looking back to three four weeks against the Stormers or a Sharks or a big physical outfit that they know they're going to get a proper matchup against go oh okay now we know what this feels like we found a way through that we'll find a, a way through this one as well I think there's probably something in that As it came into my head listening to Derek McNamara on OTBAM doing his stats piece and he was uh, very big on the collapse in a way when James Ryan went off and the total change in how Leinster played you go well you know they brought in Jason Jenkins for this type of game but actually but have had him for a year He's never played this type of game in that entire year. Mm. So nobody around him knows how to respond because generally when he's played, it's been probably too easy for them. Mm. A lot of these guys are, at the same time, you have to remember that a lot of these Leinster players have played Six Nations. Mm. So, you know, it's not like they haven't played a level of intensity. They haven't played a club game of that intensity. So in the same breath, you only have to look back a few weeks prior to that that mm. 11 or 12 of them were playing against England would have played that ferocious game physical game against France so to know maybe that's is Why that an excuse as well jersey? yeah you know, oh, mentally weak in the Leinster jersey oh, yeah I, I, I don't know is the answer Nathan I really don't but when you've, when you've had two losses, one loss you can kind of go, okay, and they put all their eggs into the European basket and they haven't won it for a second time. Maybe they need to, to change tack um, next time round and, and, and get a little bit more battle-hardened in the, in the build-up to it and not think about resting all, all their you know, best players. Yeah, um, and again, for, a hard thing to do when you have 21 players already in an Ireland squad for a World Cup who probably won't be back till two weeks before Christmas. Well, well this is a different year. I think the, the, the attitudes kind of have to be a bit different where... Um, where in the past, you know, in other World Cup years, I remember, it, was it Leo's first year? I think it might have been a World Cup mm-hmm. year and, and, and he really struggled because players were late to come back. He was trying to, you know, develop a new philosophy when they had been gone for a couple of months um, and, you know, they had the disappointment of not getting beyond a World Cup quarterfinal again. And, and so it was a, kind of a few different things on top of one another. Um, whereas this time round they they know that that's going to be the case and so you have to you have to cut your cloth to swell bit I think in a World Cup year and um, and so you know and and also their hands are going to be a little bit tired about how much game time certain players are going to be able to play for their club you know by the national dictate so yeah I think this year is a very very different year and if you can get anything out of the back of a World Cup year from a provincial club point of view I think you're doing very very well uh, I do want to touch on the Ireland squad I just want to take a quick break uh, first Brian O'Driscoll and Off the Ball is with thanks to Vodafone Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team Brian O'Driscoll on Off the Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us you're welcome back Brian O'Driscoll is with us in studio Munster fans if you're just tuning in uh, listen back on the podcast there's a good half an hour there of Brian uh, just uh, just talking just talking you up he's just delighted about it 
Do you know what? I, what I will say is, after the back of, it's always hard championing a team that you know you want to beat, or certainly I, it was the team that I wanted to beat the most when I was playing um, at club level. That's probably gone from this current group of players. I don't think they see that rivalry quite the same way. Uh, but hopefully that will come back. I think it's a great thing for Irish rugby. But what I will say about this victory, I think it was really important for our national team going into the World Cup. The Why? deflation coming on back on, on the back of the Leinster defeat to big French opposition, having South Africa in our pool um, and Munster going down to South African playing against a number of those internationals and sticking it to them, I think is a, is a big plus of them bringing positivity coming in and supplementing you know, the quality play that we have seen from Leinster, but maybe just putting a little bit some of the edges onto the performance and then you've got a different coaching ticket not to to um to to boost all of that as well but I do feel as though it, it was an important victory for um for strength of mentality going forward of not letting guys feel too sorry for themselves that we've got a team that are, you know are able to do it against the odds away from home you know just when you think oh maybe there's a a bit of uncertainty around their performance against certain sides, they were able to stick it to the Stormers. So, if I'd said that overly eloquently, but the monster you know, version the of Rob Carney going to stand up at a meeting in a few weeks and say, Lads, we know how to get it done and we can help you, Leinster lads, <laughs> along the way, away from home in these tough tasks. Uh, we spoke about the importance of Crowley Burn with everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks. It does feel from the Ireland squad selection, this training squad, that not much has happened that has changed Andy Farrell's thoughts on where this squad is going uh, John Hodnett obviously outstanding in the final doesn't make that 42 man training squad uh, Jean Klein who was in the last World Cup squad but hasn't featured at all under Andy Farrell again misses out uh, what are your thoughts on on those Munster players who didn't make it I think I, I'm always quite frustrated about I, I, I do enjoy looking back at the comments when Irish rugby posts um, a squad or on um, on Twitter and then looking down through through the comments I think I get very frustrated at people going oh it was always meant to be his mentality of you know of of picking informed players but but he's not he's going back to tried and tested you can't just swap in a few guys that have gone well in the last few weeks on the back of some good performance into a system that they have no had no part in playing that's not how international rugby works there has to be um, a continuity as well, an understanding as to way and shape of the game. There was never going to be any wholesale changes in this squad. He pretty much knows his 32 or 33-man squad already out of this 42. There might be one or two positions of uncertainty, but you couldn't be swapping a guy in like John Klein or, or John or, or Hodnett unless they were developing him for the future like they are with Osborne for instance um, So you, you don't you know. see Hodnett putting in a performance like that and Farrell going actually you know what maybe I do want to I'm not going to leave out one of those Leinster players but I'm going to bring him in just to show that this guy is coming in red hot and you need to step it up in August when these warm up games happen Unless they were going to bring 43 you know like it maybe I, I would I would I would say that uh, the only exception I would make is to include him of all, and, and maybe I'll come to Haley in a second. Mm. But him because he played very well, because there's excitement around him for the future. I would suggest, and that we don't have that many other out and out sevens, do we? Other than um, Van der other than Van der Fleer. So to you, know, you always want two of the hard and fast in, in their position. Whereas I don't think that's the case. I know Pete plays there. Um, even um, Doris has played there. But I, I, I wouldn't say that there's too many other thoroughbred sevens. And so maybe there's there's an argument to be had that Hodden could be included. Um, I think it's a toss-up between... You know, I think you could have picked Klein instead of Treadwell. Um, he probably offers a bit... He does offer more steel. Mm. Than, and he's played playing better rugby than I would say suggest Treadwell has been playing but yet he's been in the squad for the last number of years he knows it very well and actually has come off the bench and delivered quite well in Andy Farrell's era um, Have you so, changed your mind on Klein? No no not really um, I think he's a, a solid club player I don't think he's a high collar uh, yeah, uh, 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 an international calibre player I don't um, I didn't think it four years ago and I, I don't think I've changed my, my point of view on it. He, mm. He's had shown some good form and I'm pleased for him and he's been rewarded 
you know, with with a trophy. But I, I don't. I understand why Andy Farrell's stuck with the tried and tested because he knows what he's getting from all of these. I think there's. There, you would say, suggest there's tre- there's question marks around Treadwell when he plays for Ulster, but I think he has delivered for Ireland when he's been asked to, and that's what's got him back into the next squad. My point around Haley is that I don't think there's very many other out and out 15s in there as well, and so just the security around a Keenan injury of bringing someone like Haley and who I think has is super secure, um, very good on the high ball, good kicking game, all of the hallmarks. Without the counter-attacking ability and the high-speed meters of Keenan, I th- I think Haley could fit into that mold very very well. Um, works hard for his team and and has had a good finish to the season. So maybe I would argue that he could be in there, but I, I can't see too many other. I don't have any major argument around Larmer. I don't think he's really managed to bring his game to the next level since his most recent injury um, hasn't been able to properly break into the um, Leinster side Leinster 23 um, so it's very hard to select him in the squad You know, Keith, the argument would be that Keith Earls is not making the Leinster or the Munster starting 15 but in the 23 but yet he's still in there but I think I have a sneaky suspicion that Keith Earls might still go as like a 33rd man oh, really? just from a like he's a very very popular f- figure in there I think he's kind of this, like the seniority of, of Todd and when we were in camp he spoke incredibly powerfully at one stage uh, I think he's huge respect I, I think kind of a a little bit of a father figure in there for some of these players right. coming through and the fact that he plays in multiple positions I think we have seen his best days unfortunately um, but can he you, was Can you bring a player I don't want to say to be a, a vibes guy, but but I think a vibes guy in a, no, a thirty three man squad. <laughs> that's your word. I'm, not, I'm definitely not being quoted saying a vibes guy. But I think I do think those guys are important. Right. That on a fifty fifty call around around who's going to be less upset about not getting massive game time, and who's going to be more pleased about being there rather than being ex- excluded. And, and there would there's there's some examples of those guys over the years. I'm not going to do those guys a disservice by saying who was picked and who wasn't but I can think of a couple of scenarios where guys got picked on the basis of they will be they're pleased to be Mm. in the the setup and if they get any game time that's an additional bonus but what they will bring will be a a good um, element of atmosphere to and contribution to the squad and positivity and speak at the right time and experience and all those things that are important you don't want to have you can't have two or three of them. You could have one of those guys, but also they have to be in a position to be able to do a job for you in one of the pool matches against, you know, against Romania Romania or Tonga. Tonga. So, um, yeah, so I can, I could see that, but... That ability to say the right thing at the right time, I'm not surprised you say that with Keith Earls, that, you know, he wouldn't be the guy every Friday night before the game with the rousing speech, but actually, you know, once or twice over career was probably enough for him. Yeah, like... Very, very popular guy. Very likable guy. Very hardworking. Great attitude. All really good teammate. Very, very good teammate. So I would, I could understand why he would be brought into a squad. I could, I could see him. Um, but you have to make sure that you're not missing a trick somewhere else. Um, um, you know, not covering a base somewhere else. Um, so, but beyond. Beyond them. Well, the difficulty is that it's a 33-man squad. So there's 42 players there. And if the commentators and commenters aren't happy with the 42-man squad, wait till you see the players that are going to be left out of this. Because it's incredibly difficult to pick nine not to go. Yeah, this is our first year that we're going to really be that team. Mm. I think every World Cup you would have always seen, more often than not, a New Zealand squad picked. And it was, I remember... Sivivatu didn't get picked I was like oh my god they're not picking Sivivatu there's another winger who's come through in the last year Um, so I think these this is if if the likes of Larmer aren't in the training squad we're definitely going to have one or two omissions that it's like god he was there the whole time and maybe was even involved in this year's Six Nations but you know something's happened where just hasn't been able to bring the form through or there's a bit of uncertainty around them and as a result they've gone elsewhere it does look as though versatility is a key thing particularly when you look at the backs that he's selected that you know as you're saying with Mike Haley he's not maybe going for too many players who can just play 
in the one position. A Stockdale's inclusion, interesting. Yeah, I, I a little bit surprised at that, to be honest with you. I am. I don't think I've seen enough consistency from him over the course of of the last six months in particular. He's obviously been in camp and, and maybe they've seen something in, in camp where he has uh, trained well and just is is next in line or second next in line you know beyond after an injury uh, that's the only assertion that I can that I can kind of take from from his inclusion there because I think on on some of his performances it's a real pity that we just we haven't seen the Jacob Stockdale that burst onto the scene and since after the world cup the disappointment around the world cup and um and it struggles, you know, particularly defensively. Mm. And then the long-term injuries just had a double, I think it had a double negative effect and I just don't think he's gotten himself back into playing form. And also, that it also helps when you're playing in a team that, you know, is going and playing in big games and, and delivering and you have a chance to shine and, and Ulster haven't managed to do that this season. They've kind of flattered to deceive again. I'm sure we'll talk a lot over uh, the coming months in the build-up to the tournament about what it's like being in the squad, but... I, I can't believe the squad has been named already. Firstly, that we're three days on from a URC final and already there's a training squad been announced uh, for the World Cup. It just never ends, this uh, rugby calendar. As a player, when you see your name on that and you're th- starting to probably get your itinerary now over the next few days as to when you're expected back in camp, do you have to think long and hard as to how you conserve your energy? Because like, you know, we're still four or five months away from actually when we want these players at their peak. Yeah, I, I think you've... I think so much is about a mental switch off now um, because you just can't keep going and and I, I I think the body often breaks down you, you convince it that it's fine and keeps going keep going keep going and then you, you play your final game of the season and the natural inclination is for it just to go oh I can relax mm. I used to break out in kind of cold sores and you know you get more aches and pains and just feel a little bit older than your years um, so I think that is that naturally happens to a lot of players, particularly older older players. Um, so I think it's important to really rest for a week or two and not think, oh, it's a World Cup year, I can't really take any time off. The rest will heal your body again and get you excited about getting back in and, and training again. Not tra- rest for too long and don't don't eat America like I did in, in, in 07. But, um, but yeah, make some good choices and, um, and, and do just chill out a little bit and then, you know, you'll be... Um, chomping at the bit to, to get into training camp when that time does come. Not the worst thing about retirement that uh, post-season, you no know, longer when you go home, you don't get the opportunity to go out. I'm a professional athlete. I just have to put my feet up. The best <laughs> thing for me is to do nothing for the next two weeks. Kids scupper that anyway. <laughs> yeah, that your yeah. life is over when it's they done. come, you know, irrespective of whether you're you're trying to be a selfish athlete. Inevitably, you know, your afternoon naps go and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, everyone's got, you know, different situations and, um and yeah, I think you have to, I, particularly in the in the winter of your career. You look at someone like Peter O'Mahony, who's got you know a wife and three kids and um, a, gar- a garden to keep, you know, <laughs> beautiful for Instagram. So I, scissors, I, I, you know, someone like him definitely feels as though you know he takes a lot of punishment. So his body needs a proper rest um, for one last push. Yeah. That's but, that's all we can really expect after this World Cup. Watching O'Mahony over the last few weeks, I was thinking of the John Giles line he always gives about midfielders that they should always get better with age. That yes, you know your body will change, and yes, fatigue and all that would creep in. But all of the game experience you've had I mean you should understand the game so much better that you know when to save your energy, you know how to involve yourself, you know how to get more touches. That. There's a huge brain power there now in Peter Romani if he just knows how to get through these matches. That's not specific to Peter Romani or any. I think all experienced players should have that um, of understanding the energy conservation. A great example of that was was George Smith, the Australian seven. You know, he he knew what times to go and try and pill for ball. You rarely saw him going for a ball that he didn't get because he chose his moment and he identified and surveyed the situation as it was unfolding as to whether he was going to need to be able to have to take huge punishment to get that ball or whether the access point was much better for him. Um, so I think good, good experienced players, irrespective of their position, know when to expend energy and when not. I, I could read from scenarios in the centre when I didn't need to do a shuttle in a defensive line because I knew from personnel that the ball wasn't going to be coming out wide so I might step 
two or three steps forward and then reverse when, when other inexperienced players would chase eight or nine steps forward and then still have to pedal back and then wouldn't be ready for the next you know, a lot of line speed that yeah. was needed. So those small aspects absolutely are a huge part of experience because you need to conserve energy because you're not the athlete that you were 10 years previously. Uh, I can't believe we buried the lead, uh, which is Mac Hansen's <laughs> tattoo of Andy Farrell. This is unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's like, amazing. This is current Ireland international. Like, he's going into camp in a few weeks' time going, pick me. I'm a serious guy. I'm a serious <laughs> rugby player. He's got one of his... He's got one of his Connacht teammates, one of the second rows. I can't think of who, who it is. Um, the, one of the the Newbridge guy. Um, like it's, who, it's a good on, his, on the inside of his leg. So like, are they looking? At, are they looking at each other? Maybe that's on the inside of one leg. And, and your man, he's, he was his housemate in in um, in Galway for the first few months, and he was like, he made a bet about him. He was like, okay, you've got to get get a tattoo of my face on the inside of your leg. Okay, I will. But I like this is just wild. <laughs> This is wild. Is this, For people is, is that are listening the to the time? pod, there's a tattoo of Andy Farrell's face. Looks a little bit like Chris Moyles, the, the DJ. Does, does slim down Chris Moyles. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a good likeness of Andy Farrell. And tell me this now. So you rock up to Ireland camp with a tattoo of Joe Schmidt on your leg. What would the reaction have been? What about if it was Joe Schmidt on your buttock? <laughs> <laughs> would, he, would, he have been, would he have been a ball? Joe, take a look at this. <laughs> I, I can't I, can, I don't know if I think Faz is going to take that a little bit better than Joe Joe's going to, Joe's going to be sh- shocked we'll, we're, we're all shocked let's be honest yeah. but you know Faz will will enjoy it I think the great thing about Mac Hansen is he's a lunatic but he's so great <laughs> he's brilliant fun and, and he's great for the game mm. I was listening to a bit of his pod with um, with Jim Hamilton you know he's 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 trying to contain the inner him because he realises he doesn't want to keep too many sound bites. But that's they're the sort of characters you need in the game, and he's also a guaranteed starter for Ireland. Yeah. So that's why he's in a position to be able to get a tattoo of the head coach. He, he, like, I'm not going to give Mac Hansen life advice, but just stop making so many bets. That <laughs> it, 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 it seems you're losing an awful lot of them here. Maybe he won that bet. <laughs> what, was, what was the losing bet? <laughs> Wow, I, I don't even want to know. Well, maybe he was getting a picture of Paul O'Connell on the inside of his thigh. Sorry, <laughs> Paulie. Possibly. What's he going to do if they win the World Cup? We'll have to get him on the show and come up with have a good think about this. Brian O'Driscoll on the other leg if Ireland win the World Cup for Mark Hansen on the buttock. On the buttock, right. You're happy with that? It feels like a great end to the show. This, this is you don't get this with Joe Manoy, do you? No, 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 no. No. I don't he never has exciting stuff like this to talk about at the no, end of the he show. He never brings up my buttocks on air at all. It's it's outrageous. Uh Brian, thank you as always. Enjoy the summer. Cheers, you too. We'll we'll see you. Yeah, we'll see you in we'll see you in August. Uh Brian are just going off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, Ireland's most reliable mobile network and proud sponsor of the Irish rugby team. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us